Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Every week I delight in reading my copy of the Saturday Citizen. And certainly one of the highlights is my ability to learn something new and interesting about the city that I love and have lived in for so long. I can do so because weekly columnist Marie-Lay Zemond, in her words, each week looks out for the unusual, the unique, the downright quirky, which is something we might have had no idea about, even though we live here. I love the history and vibrancy she describes of each place, whether it's Melville or Lonehill <laughs> or Yeovil. And I'm always intrigued to find out how, where, and how, why she does this. So I'm delighted to have Mary Lazermond in the studio to join me. Oh, Welcome. It's a pleasure. Um, Mary Lays, let's start off with how do you find your places that you visit? Gosh, a whole lot of ways. Um, I always think that if, if I don't know about something, then other people don't know about it. And I'm a curious person, so <laughs> I want to know more all the time. So I love investigating those places. You must know the city quite well. I think I do. I suppose I, suppose I know the minutiae better than most people. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, do, do, what hooks you? Like I was reading, I think, recently about St. John's. Yes. And the Eagles. Exactly. And I was thinking... How did you? How did you even get there? Well, I went. To, well, St John's invited me because they also read the the column, and um, and I thought, well, there's going to be something here because my column's only four hundred words, um, so I have to a, a big project like a whole of St John's is going to be too big for that. So there's got to be something, and always something just sort of suggests itself. And I kept as I was looking around, I was thinking, I have a lot of eagles, here, you know. <laughs> And also the guy that took us around, I shouldn't say guy, he was the, one of the masters, uh, was so interesting. He was fascinating. He only didn't know about one eagle, but we still don't know about it. <laughs> so in, in a way, I suppose, I mean, the fact that our city is so historical and it was um, you know, built up around the discovery of yes. gold, maybe it's not so unusual that every spot you turn to has some kind of historical significance. But how yeah. do you find... That history. Well, it is all just marked by before and after gold. I mean, it was very fast. It was interesting for me, and it seemed to be interesting for lots of other people too to find the earliest dwelling, the earliest house in in Joburg, which is in Bezdenet Park, and funnily enough, the third oldest one's right next door to it. And the mon- the blue plaque is on the wrong house, apparently on purpose. Because um, the old house is a, is a little bit fragile. There are people living there, though, which is quite nice. Um, the other one is used, uh, I think, for park. Ra- oh, no, it's used for, is it Lions or Rotary? I think it's Rotary, something like that. So you, you found the first and the third. What happened to the second? Well, the second one, the second one I also found. <laughs> I knew about that one, and I wasn't sure if it was going to make a story, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to go all that way and investigate and People are, also, are living in that house too, and uh, I wasn't sure if they wanted everyone to know about it because there are two walls in the house that are part of the original house. But I did go, and they couldn't have been nicer. I mean, imagine. I mean, you and I probably wouldn't want people traipsing all over our place, you know, curious and anything like that. But they, they were absolutely super about it. And in a way, that's why they got the place. They, they, bought d- the oh, place. they, they yeah. knowingly bought the place. Yes, for the historical significance. And then they found or? their own ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> 
the ghosts of Johannesburg. Is that your upcoming book? No, no. I mean, funny enough, I do sort of believe in ghosts, having, having been susceptible to a couple, but not in South Africa. Um, and what ghosts did they find? Did they share? Well, it was the ghost of the, mum, of the mother of, her, of the husband. So um, they went into the place thinking, oh, gosh, it would be so nice to have the father, who's the remaining parent there, to come and stay with us. And all of a sudden they smelt this perfume. And it was the, the perfume of his wife. I think there's definitely a book um, in here. Isn't that nice? <laughs> I know, exactly. There is actually a book. Um, and I was asked to do one quite a long time ago. And I think I must just get ready on for to it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marilaise, um you're also in exploring Job. We're mm. coming across all the diff- different ethnic, ethnic groups that are living yes. here. Kind of which is Joburg. Which yeah. is Joburg, mm. yes. And, and, and do we tend to still live in areas? Do we still have a, a little China, a little Portugal, a little we, Italy? We do, yes. I don't know about little – yes, I think we still – I'm not sure if we have a little Italy. I suppose Orange Grove has changed a bit in that sense. But um, certainly we do have uh, lots of little Chinas. Um, there, I think there are three or four little Chinas. I mean, there's Ravonia, which is the latest Chinatown. Really? Yeah, it's big. And they also have the Chinese New Year and everything there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And and with the little Chinas come a few people from Korea, you know, other Oriental right. places, well, other Far Eastern places, I shouldn't say Oriental. And... So that makes it quite diverse and even more interesting then. It comes a bit more Joburg than Korea. <laughs> and in terms of communities um, living there, obviously we've got Jewish Johannesburg. Yes. Uh, and you explored. Well, I don't know. There are lots of places. <laughs> oh. um, I know one of the articles you wrote about was bagels. Yes, and bagels. <laughs> bagels, bagels. There we I go. Know, I love it. <laughs> and also love the, na- the way that her, her name is Little Bird and that, and that she came all the way from Lithuania with all of these recipes and stuff. And I just, I just love the I, I, having met the family now. I mean, I, whatever other people's bagels are like, I'll always be faithful to bagels. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, you are also a foodie columnist. I mean, we know yes. we're going a little bit off topic, and we will come back. But well, maybe while we're on of, the topic, yeah. while we're on the topic of food, let's mm. just stay there a little bit. Okay, pleasure. And um, the kinds of jobs you always think, what if? You know, what mm. if I was a, a film critic? Then I could spend my days, you know, watching films and critiquing yeah. them and book, book critic. Yeah. But I think the food one sounds probably the most fun. Well, it is fun. <laughs> and, and I'm a food judge as well. So, so I, I take it quite seriously. I used to write lots and lots for each art and, and sort of was the Joburg person, which is a bit of a, bit of a job. So how does it work? I've always wanted to know. Mm. You choose a restaurant or do t- restaurants contact you? Well, I was responsible for anything that was news in the restaurant business or anything that really needed to be reviewed. So there was a lot of it, and obviously other people were also doing that. And then, very luckily, they employed a full-time person, and so I didn't really have that. But now I'm free to contribute as I like. And uh, so you go to the restaurant, you decide what to order, you decide. Yes. I mean, if, you, if you're reviewing it, I think because I love food so much. I mean, you don't put on weight. So I think the idea of, of I don't loving, eat out. Um, oh, don't often, you? No. I don't, really I mean, I don't worry eat out regularly it. for work. You know, if it was my yeah. job, I would probably put on weight. I imagine. I, that's what I I'm wondering. Know. I think if you, if you eat food that you really like um, and that's really good, 
I guess you don't. I'm not sure, but uh, but I don't think so. It's never been a concern, just out of interest. No, 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 oh. not really. <laughs> I'm happy to oh, say. Wonderful. And I love chomping my way through other countries too. So, yeah. And then, obviously, what do you, you know, things like food are pretty subjective. And you said you were a food judge. Yes. So, what do you look for? A whole lot of things. I mean, the ethics are important now. So, if how, how green it is, how sustainable it is, how fresh it is, all of those kind of things go into a category. And then there, there are general categories. That's quite an important one if somebody's really going to win an award. But there are categories like the food itself is the main one, of course. I mean, and then all the beverages, whether it be wine or even tea in lots of cases. Um, there, then there's the atmosphere and mm, what else is there? I think that's about it. And so I always work at, work from the top down and I think, okay, everyone's got five stars. And the, and then until one thing goes wrong, and then they've actually only got four stars. And then if something else goes wrong, they've only got three stars. And then if it, something else goes wrong, I think I shouldn't be reviewing them. <laughs> so you don't go lower than three. You can't get it's lower just than not three. Fair. No, no. So that, that is actually quite ethical on your part, because otherwise you could theoretically destroy. I think it's a, not a fair for. I think it's not fair on anybody. I don't think it's. I don't think the reader wants to read about that. I don't think the person wants to appear. No. I mean, they should be told, but mm. not, but not publicly. No, well, that's amazing. It's I mean, they should be told only if it's something they can correct. You mean it's sometimes it's so incredibly bad that. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of chains can't help themselves. Okay. Yeah. So chains are have to subscribe to the chain, and therefore are yeah, limited exactly. in what they can no, do. They can't make their own decisions too much. And in terms of trends of food, is veganism becoming more popular? Very much so. And also the other very popular thing is um, re- is relevant to South Africa food now because we've always thought that there was Cape food. Mm-hmm. You know the baboti? Yes. Well, surprise, surprise, that's not the national dish. <laughs> <laughs> and um, trap is the national dish, mohudu. And... Um, yeah, I think th- I think people who do that really well are people like Coco Reinhardt at, at his place, uh, which is what is it now? It's in Santon. He's got such a nice name for it. I'll think of it now. But it's, it's a beautiful place, and he's got that relevance of food and ingredients in, done in a in a super classy way. So it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how you were brought up. It doesn't matter what scale of living you ever had. You're going to enjoy it thoroughly. Mm. Um, I'm not going to ask you what your favorite restaurant is, but I am. Oh, oh would you like to share? Well, um, yeah, it could be it could be Coco's one, which doesn't have a name at the moment, and it, and the other one could be also for for being relevant in terms of really good food. Is uh, he's got three restaurants, four actually, but Il Contadino is one of his. It's um, yeah, it's a fantastic chef who whose mum has a has a farm, so oh, it's easy so for fresh, him. Fresh materials, but it did, obviously it being did the most. my th- way of thinking because I thought everybody's made a fuss about about provenance and heritage and um, organic foods, but actually you can taste the difference. I now know. Huh. It really just he does just, taste it just makes a huge not just at his place, but at lots of places, places that, that use really organic stuff or really good food, you know. 
show food, not without all the stuff added. So we have gone on a bit of, of a food tangent, which was quite fun. It's actually. still Joburg. <laughs> well, that's, that was my question. So obviously, um, so obviously, I mean, with, with regard to where you travel, I mean, mm. food obviously would come in. It would be a mm. part of what you explore. But what kinds of things are you looking out for? Are you looking for the history aspect? Are you looking for the architecture? Not necessarily. I mean, sometimes those things come up, and I'm mad about both. So I'm happy to co- you know I'm happy to write about the history of something or the architecture of something uh, or the art of something or yeah. So you've been to a museum. I remember you did one on the museum, the yes. uh, Museum Africa, and there you looked at fashion. That's right, and which I love that too. Yeah, again, you've, again, it's limited to the amount of words that you can use. So the exhibit that was on at the time was was great. It wasn't what we were expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best thing in life. Isn't I know, it? Uh, exactly. That's serendipity and so good. Yeah. So what there was were um, there was there were army uniforms, which I thought were pretty interesting. Never really made a study of those before. And then there were twenties kind of flapper things, which I also found fun because the guy who curates it had a very interesting way of looking at that period. Some, something that I'd never considered before. He thought it was all about freedom. And I guess in many ways it is also about other strictures, but but that makes it interesting too. That argument. I think there's a whole field of study that hasn't been explored properly in the field of um, dress and exactly. clothing. I mean, fashion is very fashion. interesting. Yeah. Fashion itself is yeah. probably has more says more about the cultural milieu in which of we live. Of course, it does. Then, um, yes. possibly anything else. That's right. I remember standing in a sari shop once and also writing about that, and I thought. This is very interesting because we think a sari is a sari, and it's not. It's dictated by things that are happening in movies or politics sometimes, and who's wearing what. And it could be just a little detail. It could be the way the top works underneath the sari. It could be the way that the, the shawl doesn't even make, make its appearance. And stuff like that. And so I'm just thinking about it makes it interesting. And you're talking about lots of little Chinas now developing. Mm. And obviously, um, population groups in Johannesburg have shifted. For example, Jewish communities yes. used to live in Berea and Yeovil yes. and have slowly right. moved. Yes. Um, but you came across a shul, a synagogue in Yeovil. In Yeovil, yes, I know. <laughs> Which is not surprising. <laughs> but this one was one of a difference. It was. It was with a big difference. And it was. It had actually popped up there because a previous rabbi sold his house to that shul. And and these are Igbo people, so they regard themselves as being Jewish, whether one, whether one thinks that's good or bad. And they, I mean, many of them just think so that is. So Igbo being p- a part of the Nigerian Yes, yeah, um, so yes. and apparently you don't pronounce the G. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but not in Nigeria. You still power. No, no, you don't pronounce the G. In you know, Nigeria. You say Igbo. Yeah. That's how you know that you know. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. And I feel a lot more in the know. Oh, so cool then. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the community. Okay, you mean that one? Mm. Yes. Okay, I don't, it's all drawn from the area. And, of course, there are many Nigerians in the area, also lots of Congolese in Yeovil now. Um, and the rabbi is he's Rabbi Nathan, I seem to remember. Yeah. But it was very funny because... Heather, the photographer, and I went there with... Oh, Heather discovered she was Jewish, by the way, that day. Yeah, she'd forgotten. <laughs> Comes from an American family who'd long ago sort of... I don't know. Just so just remind me, Heather is? Heather Mason. She's a... Yeah, she's a photographer. Yeah, yes. also a blogger. Right. And I, know, I know the name, but for... Um, I know the name from the media. Her blog is Two Summers, which is quite a popular blog. Right. Oh, and a potential guest on the show. <laughs> 
That's right. Yeah, exactly. In fact, in fact, you may remember that very experience. Yeah, because so share with me. Yeah, and, there were, and the rabbi was talking about the holiday the next day, one of the Jewish holidays, and Heather said, "Oh, hang on, I, I'm I'm Jewish too. <laughs> I've just remembered. <laughs> I know it's wonderful. She seems to remember it since then. And but you know how it is. American families. I mean, there was a whole lot going on in American American politics at one stage. So Judaism was at one point wasn't that popular publicly and yeah I guess that was her um, which family would it have been her mom's or dad's anyway but there was Rabbi Nathan going through it all but as we got there we thought well are we going to be allowed in we don't know because it all looked pretty locked and barred and as we were talking I heard this beautiful voice saying isn't that Marie I seem to recognize her voice and it was a good friend of mine an actor who is not Darian actually who's been in quite a lot of movies Wow. Yeah, he also lives in Melville. So so there was Sunny Chitterberry, and we had free ent- entrance, Excellent. no problem. Yeah. And in terms of finding out the history of the place when you get there, do you do research before you go I in? I always do. You do. Yeah. And where do you get the research? Gosh, online, or if anything I can find that I've got. And, and do people contact you and say, you know, yes. I'm living in Lone Hill, and did you know there is a... Yes, lots of people do. And sometimes it's, it doesn't make a story, but often there's a little aspect. It's often a little thing that makes a wonderful story. So you, would you follow up anything anybody told you? Or, or when you say it doesn't make a story, do you go out to investigate? i a pretty good idea yeah. what will make a story by now, because I've had many, many problems. <laughs> Do you have a favorite place in Joburg, a favorite s- suburb, a favorite? Oh, gosh. I suppose my favorite one is my own, and that's Melville. Yeah, Melville is an interesting place. Very, yeah. It's interesting historically. It's interesting from the architectural point of view, as we, like, as, as we how, were talking. How old is Melville? Not as old as one would imagine, but then Joburg's not that old. Melville is one of the oldest suburbs, and and we often... Anyway, of course, Melville's very interesting because of the copies. And like in the story about the oldest houses, we we often forget that there were many other houses before before those houses. It's just that in the Divakani, a lot of people had to, well, they they really were into Sunda and they were scattered all over the place, and families were broken up. Um, I often think that it changed politics in South Africa for. Um, f- because of that, because a lot of people had absolutely no background anymore, no heritage that they could show, and became servants mm. of the newly arrived whiteies, really. Mm. And that that to find those kind of almost archaeological, would you say, or not mm. really? Oh, um, there sites. are lots. I mean, I love, for instance, the stone circles because people often think that they're cattle kraals, yeah. and we don't. Nobody knows what they are, and they're all over the place. There's one in Melbourne, there's one in Northcliffe, uh, there, there are plenty around. Yeah, you They've know, got no entrances, consider that. People say well, it was a cattle kraal or it was a, it was a, a, you know, a ring of huts. Well, there's never an entrance. Fascinating. And the wall was never built up higher than about hmm, head height, shoulder height. Yeah. Um, definitely a book. There has to be a book <laughs> somewhere in this. There is. Um, I think my last question to you is Ooh, in, terms oh, there <laughs> in terms of Johannesburg heritage, and, and yes. you've explained that it goes back, mm. and a lot of it is forgotten, possibly yes. never to be uncovered. That's true, lost, really. Do you think that there's enough being done in terms of heritage? And I don't necessarily mean 
the government. But um, is there enough being done to preserve our heritage? Um, I was talking to somebody from Joburg Heritage, um, and she came with me to look at the at the at the second oldest house, and I said, "But you know, this has been a big." tour to get here nobody's actually been able to give me any stuff and she said we don't we don't have the money we can't there's nobody in the area that's prepared to make something of this do you know what is fascinating is i read and because there's quite a lot of media around it a new museum in alex Uh aha and the museum uh, was set up i think was it um around um oh I'm giving indication that we have to really like oh my gosh. Uh, wrap up here. We'll have but to have coffee afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think um, it's, it's, it's amazing that in those kinds of areas, there was a realization that, that those histories and those people who come from there need to be remembered as well. Very much. And I yeah. think that's a positive way going forward. It's wonderful. And I also think that Joburg's become very proud of itself all over Joburg, from east to west, north, south. So on that note, <laughs> yes, it's a jolly good word too. <laughs> thank you so much. So, um, thank you so um, much, Teresa. Le- looking forward to your column on Saturday, reading yes. a little bit more about our own city. Oh, I think you'll like it. Oh, good. Okay, cheers. <laughs> thank you very much. That was Marie Lays Edmond talking about her column on the Saturday, uh, Citizen Saturdays.